This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by the Racy Anderson Highway. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. And thank you, Scott Slade. It's a great day to be saving energy wherever you find yourself, in Georgia, California, or uh, overseas. Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm Tim Eccles, your host, and with me in the studio, my co-host, John Noel. John, how's it going? Very fine, indeed. And we've got our guest returning back this week, uh, Matt Hested from the uh, Georgia Forestry Association. He's the Executive Director of Communication and Strategy and a Bulldog. Welcome back. Glad to be here. Yeah. And Rex Hamry, who is the Southeast Sustainability Director for JLL, also a Bulldog, uh, from the Terry College of Business. Rex, what's JLL for our listeners? JLL, Jones Lang LaSalle. We're a commercial real estate services firm. And we want to talk today, John, about that incredible NCR building. Holy have, you, have, have you had a chance to go in there? No, yeah. I heard about it. I, I've heard now somebody, somebody told me this is the one of the most sustainably constructed buildings, uh, LEED construction. LEED, it stands for Leadership in Energy and uh, Environmental Design. Very good, John. Oh, okay, pass that test. And, uh, and, 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 and all of Atlanta. Yeah, and it's a double platinum, is it not, Rex? That's correct. Yeah, how many double platinum buildings are there in Atlanta? That's the only one. Wow. How about in the southeast? Well, there's only a handful in the entire country, so... We're one of the few. Let's dive into this, John, because wow. this building that Rex uh, consulted on is incredible. And I've been to New York in the Bloomberg building, which I thought, previous to going into the NCR, NCR building, I thought that was the that coolest, was the Mac Daddy. coolest yeah. building I'd ever been in. But after Rex gave me the tour of the NCR building, I now think that the NCR building is the coolest. In fact, I asked if I could office there on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it so much. Um huh. Rex, let's, let's get into this. Uh, uh, this NCR building was a, an enormous uh, challenge. Tell us about some of the outstanding things that you were able to accomplish that you haven't been able to do on other, other buildings. Well, there were a lot of exciting sustainability initiatives we, we got to implement at the NCR Global Headquarters. So if there's really five categories um, that we might focus on as an intro, energy, water, waste, site selection and, and materials, we can kind of have some highlights for all of those. So energy efficiency, first of all, so- My specialty. There you go. Oh, yeah. The building is, is designed to operate 30% more efficiently than a standard new office building. That's so, a big threshold to hit. Absolutely. Year over year, that the NCR is going to save 30 plus percent compared to if they built the building just to standard code compliance. Okay. Water efficiency, arguably one of the most exciting things and really important in the state of Georgia We've designed the building to offset 86% of the entire water use on an what? annual basis. So there's a significant rainwater and groundwater capture, filtration, and reuse system. So over 12 million gallons of water per year are going to be captured and reused and saved running that system at the NCR That means you don't have a gutter that's dumping on the street. Your, your gutter from your roof is dumping in a big holding tank somewhere in the basement, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. but get this, John. Get this. It runs into a purple line, and they flush the toilets with that water. Oh, gosh, yeah. I love that. So when you're jumping into sustainability, one of the big questions you often realize is, why do we flush toilets with drinking water? A, 
men. So this is a solution to that. You know, seamless, no problems. The water doesn't look is filter, filtered, looks clean, oh, but we yeah. aren't using municipal drinking water to right. flush the toilets. Exactly I mean, it just right. it just makes so much sense. Oh gosh. You know, how about Rex, how much trouble is it to do that? I mean, there there's got to be a reason that we haven't done that more in buildings because it it makes sense. There must be some great challenges to pulling off, you know, uh, the water, putting it in a cistern, and then getting it back. Why aren't we doing that? Well, there are upfront costs to the system. And so Cousins, as the development partner for the base building, deserves a ton of credit about a willingness to dive in and figure out a system and have the right team in place that we could design a cost-effective solution to this goal. Because more plumbing, is what you're saying. Exactly. It's more plumbing. It's more filtration. And so... And when you're focused on first cost in a construction project, it's often easy to say, well, we don't want to have to add a whole nother line throughout the building to provide But when you have the highest water water rates in the United States of America, which Atlanta does, not flushing that toilet uh, with city water and flushing it with your rainwater makes a whole lot of economic sense long term. Exactly. And And the understanding of that reality is what's really changing things. So I think we're going to see this more and more often particularly in new construction and maybe in certain specific retrofit situations where we're going to realize it might be a five-year simple payback or it might be a less than a 10-year payback. And an organization will say, wow, we can really save significant dollars as well as understand that this is an important environmental initiative focused on water savings. So, John, John, let me make this point that having companies like NCR and other Who are new to Atlanta. And, I mean, they came into town. And having other Fortune 500 companies who are willing to try new things like this right. and show that it can be done. Right. They serve as an inspiration to smaller companies who hear our who hear our radio show. I go, wait a uh, minute. I got a lot of rain on my roof, too. And, and think, maybe mm. maybe I, I can do this. I mean, Rex, is that part of your, I mean, your motivation as a... You know, as a sustainability director, is influencing other people to do the same thing, and how important is having a model that you can take someone like me to and say, "Look in that toilet; it's clear. This is water off the roof. This is not city water." How important is that? Having that thing you can point to and say it works. That's a great question. It's very important having those models where you know not every company is going to be able to build a 780,000 square foot new headquarters, but showing that that type of technology and that solution works and can be cost effective and can be return oriented, that's where we get to see it start to be replicated across a lot of future projects. You know, maybe in the future, this will even be some element of code compliance where water capture, reuse, reclamation system will be part of just a standard building code. Have you seen any homes? I know I went to a subdivision over in Roswell that was using something called a rain pillow uh, yeah. where they were collecting water. They weren't flushing toilets with it, but they were using it on all of their irrigation. Uh, and, and I guess it's just as much of a waste to use city water on your plants as it is flushing it down your toilet. Right, that's, John? That's right. And that's in Atlanta. I think it's designed here and made here and, and sold here. And it's a, great, it's a great couple that have this company. And so it's a big bladder, essentially. And, and because the bladder has a tendency to be pressurized, as you just turn it on, the water pumps out pressurized, you know, and, and you're capturing your rainwater. I love the idea. I'm starting to think about maybe 
doing that. I, I get, at a residential level, there's got to be all kinds of code hassles. But at a commercial level, when you're dealing with lots of toilets, it, 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 you have some efficiency of scale, I'm guessing, to get through the code process. Yeah, there's certainly efficiencies when you have a major project like that. But I think that that uh, rain pillow is a great example of something that you know residential construction can look into. If you're building a new house or you're putting in an irrigation system. Put it under the know, deck. I mean, something that you can space. certainly explore. Yeah. And then you really, really look at what those costs will be and see, well, if I'm going to stay in my house for a, little, a you know, fairly long time, then that's something that might really pay for itself and could also add value to my property if I sell it. Well, John, I went down to the Coastal DNR, Department of Natural Resources, um, uh, office where they were doing a Saturday workshop on how to take a Coke syrup barrel. And I saw this at your house, yeah, yeah. A, a Coke syrup barrel, and turn that into a gutter water collection process where you – uh, you were given this barrel. You pay $25. You were given a barrel, a little spigot. They provide you even with the drill bit and the drill. You make it right there, and they yeah. coach you through making it. And it's got all the little pieces that you need uh, in order to be able to set this rain collection barrel up at your house. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a way to begin the process, right? I mean, Rex, we've got to begin somewhere. I think that's a great example of where of starting somewhere is really important around sustainability. So if, uh, you know, almost every project or every house could look at more efficient lighting is, a, is just a Ooh. standard upgrade, something like that. I love Maybe it when you I'm talk speaking, dirty, Rex. Speaking your language, John. Yeah. But then, you know, what a, a project like NCR is really about taking it all the way to the, to the finish line of what is possible today from, you know, while we're still looking at how we want to smartly spend our dollars and, and realize significant sustainability improvement and reduced environmental impact. Let me, let me bring yep. Matt in on this because we're talking about sustainability. And I know as I speak to the Georgia Forestry Association and, and interact with, with farmers across Georgia, that sustainability is an important aspect of this. And, I mean, Matt, how often does it come up in your meetings and as you talk with people? I mean, the forestry... Uh, the Forestry Association and farmers are proud of the fact that they're sustainable. How is this sustainable uh, in our state, and why are you also proud of it? Well, we often say that uh, foresters uh, were sustainable before it was a, a word, <laughs> or at least one that's used in common parlance. In in Georgia, we've we've created a, a land use that uh, filters our air, it filters our water. Uh, provides wildlife habitat and then uh, periodically through that tree's life you're you're given an opportunity to per uh, to harvest it and give uh, products that every citizen benefits from and by the way it creates jobs uh, for rural communities and we're not just talking about the the logger uh, that is operating machine, but we're talking about welders, we're talking about truck drivers, we're talking about secretaries, we're talking about the uh, the guy who uh, builds a gas station in a community uh, because it's an important thing uh, for for him to do. So. so that that those wood products that y'all that that y'all are making, it's going into the buildings, it's going into the NCR building, and and though and it, so and and it's because it's a George made product, there's extra lead points, right? Isn't that right, Rex? That's correct. So 30-plus percent of the products used were, were locally sourced in the NCR building. Well, let's keep this conversation going. Thank you so much, Matt, for, for, for being with us and all the work that you do. We're going to keep the conversation going with Rex as we talk more about sustainability and how we can make buildings 
across our state uh, more sustainable. I'm Tim Eccles, and you're listening to Energy Matters. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens, being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. You get, every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always a, it's always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you could tack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Row Insulating Company. Rope. Welcome back to Energy Matters, a radio show helping you save money, use technology, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Support for Energy Matters comes from the Ray, an 18-mile stretch of Interstate 85 New York, running from LaGrange to the Alabama line. The Ray is an independent nonprofit that seeks to catalyze the interstate corridor and its exits into a global model for regenerative transportation. Executive Director Allie Kelly believes that roads can be safe, sustainable and regenerative this is really interesting you ought to check it out see more at theray.org and we appreciate them being a part of our show and they being a living laboratory for the interstate that's a cool project down there john you and i both have been there love it and i am a big fan of what they're doing and at exit 14 we approved you know at the commission of one megawatt solar array on the right of way so that will be adaptive use of, uh, of just raw land and we we were you know we were talking about how the ncr building and using that using that runoff water or that that water off the roof and flushing the toilets with it and how that is serving or can serve as a model for other companies and i think the ray and what they're doing there with that right-of-way solar could potentially inspire some other parts of our state to do the same thing. I completely agree because interstates, uh, you know, tend to correlate with uh, with the uh, the interstates of uh, of electrification. You know, you've got you've got these high voltage lines running across them, and so it's easy to tie in, and that's often one of the problems. Yeah, that's right. In the studio with me uh, for this segment, back is Rex Hamry. He's a UGA grad, Terry College of Business, real estate major and he is the southeast sustainability director for jll uh, welcome back thanks for having me and sean aurora from our arch rival georgia tech uh, he's the director of the candida building welcome sean thank you for having me and you are an emory grad i am an emory grad went there a couple times a couple times uh, history and law and you got a lot of yeah yeah I'm, I'm the only lawyer to uh, only law school students who also have been the star quarterback of a football team, collegiate football team. They have a collegiate football team at Emory? Yeah, undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's bad undefeated. enough that you go to Unde- Georgia Tech and work undefeated. there. Uh, undefeated so, football. Well, look, it's great to have you here. We're having a conversation with Rex about some of the jobs that he's worked on, particularly the NCR building. By the way, Sean, have you been in the NCR building yet? Not yet. Yeah, yeah you got to go. I, it's, it's incredible. Can someone give me a VIP tour? 
We can probably set that up for you, Sean. And and John Noel, you want to be on that as well. I certainly do. Yeah. So, Rex, we've been talking about how you guys deal with uh, water there and the fact that you have a cistern. Uh, How big is that cistern uh, under the building? Do you know? Is Is it like thousands of gallons? I guess it is. Tens of thousands of gallons. Yeah, it's it's quite large. I uh, I'll have to look and see how how large the cistern is. Yeah, and so you're dealing also with uh, energy and energy use, and you said that the building uh, really uh, was about thirty percent more efficient than the average skyscraper built. That's correct. So the building is designed to operate thirty percent more efficiently than a a new standard code. Yeah, building. and a, and a double platinum uh, in terms of a lead rating. Correct. The building earned lead core and shell platinum and commercial interiors platinum. Well, let's talk about these other aspects of the building, uh, the waste and uh, the materials and the other things that you mentioned. Yeah, great question. So as I said, so if we talk about energy, water, we've covered those. Also worth mentioning, there's a 120 kilowatt solar array installed on site. So that That is sizable. Certainly worth mentioning approximately 3% of the total annual energy use. Hmm. Uh, So around waste, uh, we diverted more than 90% of construction waste from the landfill. So that gets recycled and reused, which is a a fairly significant number compared to standard. And um, site selection, what I always like to talk about there is, you know, moving to that urban walkable environment. That, That site has a walk score of uh, 90. What is a walk score? So a walk score is basically a rating that uh, anyone can go and and use their online tool and find out basically how friendly your location is where you live or where you work to a walkable environment where you're not having to use your car to get to. Is the restaurant close by? Is the public transportation? That sort of thing. Exactly. Do you have access to public transportation? Are there a lot of different uses that you can walk to easily? You know, these type of things... Sean, you worked at South Face before you worked at Georgia Tech. Correct. And, and yeah. these are the kind of things that, that South Face uh, has, has been talking about for years. Yes. Uh, and I know you've got solar on your house, and you've adopted some of these things. So you and John both have solar. You guys are, are living this you know, on a daily basis. And you have solar on your house as well. Solar thermal, solar on, my, thermal uh, yeah. on, my, on my Winterville house. So uh, we've got a room full of folks that know what they're talking about. Rex, keep going. What are some of the other cool things that you guys did on that NCR building? Well, so one thing when I'm still talking about waste stream management, I like to highlight. So, you know, 90% of construction waste being diverted. So that's always worth highlighting when you think about, say, the average uh, renovation or new construction of a, of a residential home. You see one dumpster show up. Everything gets thrown into that yep. dumpster. That dumpster goes to the landfill. That's the problem. So imagine if you took that dumpster and 90% of that, that became all recycled, and one little bin was the trash for that entire project. That's what you're talking about from kind of relative scale perspective. Give, give our listeners, and, and I'll ask any, any of, of the guys, uh, John, Sean, or Rex, give, give our listeners an idea of – what's happening with these dumpsters as they go to these i guess inert landfills and they just dump this stuff out uh is anybody going through that stuff out in that landfill and doing anything with it or is it just going to be there until jesus comes for the most part that's just going into the landfill and staying in the landfill and what's exciting about it is even on projects where you know you don't have a bunch of room for site separation or having say four separate dumpsters where you're separating everything there are services available where 
everything gets put into a single dumpster, but then it's brought to a material recovery facility that then separates it there in order for it to go into the various recycling streams. And that was probably a lot of where the, the where the offset was occurring, right? I mean, they weren't just on site. So they, That's exactly right. stuff so, was taken off site and sort of broken apart. Correct. So, Sean, uh, you, you think about what we're teaching kids at the University of Georgia or at uh, at, at Georgia Tech, do you see a lot of this recycling happen happening on a commercial scale? Based on the statistics, I would say no. Uh, the most recent statistic that I read about the amount of commercial construction debris that goes into the municipal landfill across the country is 40%, meaning 40% of the municipal landfill is C&D, construction and demolition waste. So I think that the... Uh, the industry could do better. And at Georgia Tech, we, we 90% diversion is, is fantastic, but the Candida building is going to be a net positive from a waste perspective in that we are diverting, I think, well over 90. I think it's 98% is where we're going to try to get to at the end of the construction process. And that 2% that we end up having to throw away we're going to more than compensate for that by using salvaged materials. So we've got so much salvaged material that's going into the building that will be net positive from a waste perspective. We will have diverted more waste from the landfill than we send to the landfill. Yeah, so here's two phenomenal examples within a mile of each other right. uh, of doing this. Rex, keep going. What are some of the other things that, you've, that you guys have been able to do uh, at the building? So we continue on on the waste stream. One thing I always like to pivot to is so you talk about C&D waste, and that's very important, but then also planning for the ongoing operational Mm -hmm. waste stream diversion. And so taking that focus of look at what we accomplished around our construction waste diversion and then make that something of a goal around the operational waste. And so reaching for designing all the way into the facility, we have something called neighborhood recycling within the NCR building, where there's actually no trash or recycling bins at everyone's desk. They, you, you get up and you walk to an area within the floor that has all of the, the recycling streams and then also the landfill stream. And we have found that that's one of the best practices Great. around enhancing the actual diversion rate. Because one of the important things is you get all of these people and they need to know what product they have in their hand and then where that needs to go when it goes through the waste stream. So it's not the single stream baloney that, that, that's out there. I mean, this stuff's actually separated. Is that right? Well, so, there, you know, single stream can be a successful aspect of a recycling program, but you also have to make sure that your single stream program isn't getting um, a lot of products like food waste into that single and stream. And we're talking about single stream, folks. Uh, we are we, essentially people get to throw everything into, into one spot and, and they just handle it at the end. And the reality is exactly what you just said, Rex. Things get corrupted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the actual recycling percentage at the end is very low. Like high percentages I've heard are 40% recovery. Right. So I can't comment specifically on the percentages that you see across the industry, but I can say that, you know, so you can have plastic and metal that can be combined. You usually don't have an issue with that. And it's really about finding that best practice that you see the successful diversion of a large percentage of your, of your waste stream. So in an office, there's a lot of paper. And so that can be an aspect of the stream. And 
And, and one of the problems is that you just don't want glass to get into that single stream. So what we find is a lot of the time we work with these large building and facility management teams to all the way from the front end of what bins we need to have on the floor down to having the vendors carrying and hauling from the, from the facility in order to deliver recycling for all of those recyclables. So you have a separate vendor and a separate stream within the building for glass, which prevents your good. single stream recycling good, from creating good, good. problems. You know, John, I just don't think we can ever get away from the sorting that has to happen. I mean, I've been in the bottom Mercedes-Benz Stadium in their trash and recycling area. I went out to the L.A. Rams Seattle Seahawks game in L.A., and they had all of these big tables where they were laying stuff out and going right. through it. I've been out to the aluminum can recycling place and where they're having to sort and get rid of the things that are steel and not aluminum. And so there still has to be a check system, you know, right. to, to be able to, to But get at the this. Atlanta airport, they have everything that gets thrown in a trash bin, and they call that recycling. And so you throw in your hamburger along with your metal can, and they, they call that single stream recycling, and it's it's a farce, in well, my opinion. Somebody's going to have to go through that with rubber gloves somewhere right? Uh, to be able to, yeah. to take care but of that. But that's the beauty of what NCR is doing, and it's the beauty of what, it, what the environmentalists have seen, is that it's better to separate these things and make the efficiencies higher. Well, it's no no easy thing. I want to keep, keep the conversation going about sustainability here. It's a big part of our show, so stick around. We're going to continue our conversation with Rex and Sean. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSE Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden & Gregory. Welcome back to Energy Matters. Support for Energy Matters comes from Arnold, Golden & Gregory. AGG takes a business sensibility approach when advising clients. AGG provides industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG's transaction, litigation, regulatory, and privacy counselors serve clients in healthcare, real estate, litigation, business transaction, fintech, global commerce, government uh, investigations, and the logistics and transportation. AGG subscribes to the belief, not if, but how, and we appreciate their weekly support of Energy Matters, Tim. Yeah, and, and they're down at Atlantic Station, which is built Beautiful. on an old old steel mill. I've got two sustainability experts in the studio besides just uh, John and myself. I've got Rex Hamry, UGA grad and Southeast Sustainability Director for JLL, and Sean Aurora from Georgia Tech, formerly of South Face, and Emory grad, law school grad as well, and the director of the Candida Building. Guys, just while we're talking about AGG and uh, and Atlantic Station. That's a great story, isn't it? That we were able to take 
a really a pretty toxic place. Uh, either of you had any uh, interaction with that property or know anything about that property? Yeah, I, I, I grew up in Metro Atlanta, so I remember what it looked like before and what it looks like now. It's great. It's a fantastic transformation. Yeah, AGG is in that Wells Fargo building, and John Gornall and those guys are uh, just fantastic in terms of advising clients on sustainability and whatnot. And, of course, they are really involved with the Georgia Solar Association, another one of our sponsors. Rex, let's dive back into your work because you've done work at SunTrust. You've, uh, you did the sustainability consulting on the NCR building, which really is kind of the, uh, the pride and joy, I think, of our, our cities. You think about a double platinum you know, lead building there. What were the review with us, the five things that y'all focused on and, and then pick it up where we left off? So the, the five main categories of energy, water, waste, site selection, and materials. So, you know, we can also talk about some of the uh, more cutting edge and innovative aspects of the project. So sustainability has really transitioned in the last couple of years to be looking at how what's the impact on the occupant health in the built environment you called that something before what was that term so earlier we were talking about biophilia so that's actually a specific element of that around uh, humans natural instinct to associate with nature okay so if the built environment is unnatural it's about bringing the natural into into the built environment It's, it's why uga students go out and sit outside and study yeah, right? that's that's, that's exactly right. So it's the same kind of impact. Yeah, the, yeah. the greatest example Why for anyone. Why would we get out of this studio? Because there's no natural daylight, and it's very clinical. And oh, sorry, never mind. I'll be quiet now. <laughs> right. So for anyone listening, when you take a walk in the woods or go on a hike, that kind of refreshed feeling, that's biophilia. Yeah. I see. So if you can start to replicate that in just your daily life when you go to work, that's what we're often working towards. So if you expand that out to the overall occupant health, there was a lot of focus at the NCR project about enhancing the occupant and the user wellness within the building. Right. So natural daylight, which has been mentioned, has great energy efficiency benefits, but also has significant occupant health benefits, enhancing productivity, natural sleep rhythms. And so really a focus on enhancing natural daylight at every seat within the facility. So is that why the building's made of glass? So enhancing the amount of glass uh-huh. and the type of glass in order to have the maximum amount of daylight into the space. Wait, wait, type of glass? There's certain yeah. glass that's better for that than others? Yes, absolutely. So if you yeah. took just absolutely clear glass, that would let the most light in, but it also allows for the most solar heat gain. Bingo. So it's really about balancing through the design and the specification of your envelope in order to have a high-performance, energy-efficient building as well as one with a lot of solar light transmittance what kind of glass y'all using what a great question the specific i'm not sure the specific is it double pane i bet it's triple ours is triple (laughs) (laughs) so for those for those those of you that don't can't see what's going on there's basically a contest right now between an extremely lead uh, efficient building double platinum in fact and the candida funds uh new building in georgia tech and it is my friend John McFarlane with Working Buildings works on this uh, with Sean. It is an amazing building, but both of these buildings have in common the desire to get in natural light. Yes, let the natural outdoors become one with us in the building. Yeah. I mean, in fact, everything you're saying, Rex, is equally applicable to the Candida Building. What the Living Building Challenge—that's the standard that we're hoping to get to. 
it just takes everything that you've said and just amps it up a little bit, right? Right. So tur- that turning it up yeah. to eleven, exactly, for the a little spinal tap reference is, is part of what's really exciting about it. Is so projects like the Candida building that you know maybe only Georgia Tech today can actually achieve that Living Building Challenge certification here, but it's about showing what's possible, yeah. and then we can take that and replicate it on dozens of headquarters projects and hundreds of commercial office buildings and other properties and that's part of what's so exciting so you leading the charge around showing this is something that's technically possible and then we can apply it to make it a cost-effective return-oriented sustainability initiative across the entire built environment so here's the real test sean does your building use uh water off the roof to flush toilets are you doing that like the ncr building is huh on the spa yes yeah, you are but we're doing it in a different way uh well how uh, many different ways are there to flush the toilet yeah it's just one way i mean you no there, there there's a way that you don't actually flush the toilet you foam the toilet oh, oh. so oh, we oh, have oh, a com- oh. we have composting toilets so we took a look at our water budget oh my you and if you've ever been to south face's headquarters and gone to the eco office you know what a compost toilet looks like mm. So what we're doing, we, we looked at the water budget because um, the Living Building Challenge asks us to use only water that we collect on site. So we have a 50,000-gallon cistern, and we collect all the water that falls on the roof of the building. We funnel it to the cistern, and that 50,000-gallon cistern's got to provide us our drinking water, the water for irrigation, the water for uh, our washing whoa, 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 our hands whoa, whoa. And drinking water how are you going to drink that water out of that cistern we're going to become our own like municipal they do in every other country in the world we're going to become our own municipal water treatment utility uh, yeah, yeah. system i would say not utility but yeah. but getting back to the toilets it's uh, we have we have uh, composting toilets so you push a button and just a very tiny amount of that rainwater is used to foam up the toilet and then you flush it again after you're done. So it's it's minuscule. It's it's absolutely a minuscule amount of water that's used for the toilets. Wow. If you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to Rex Hamry, a UGA grad, uh, actually, who is the Southeast Sustainability Director for JLL, and Sean Aurora, who's working down at Georgia Tech, who's an Emory grad. Uh, both of these guys are leading the way in sustainability. I mean, John, we've never had this kind Oof. of kind of competition going wow, on. Wow, no, uh, this is this is this is uh, competition. I, are you Rex, are you putting on a glove? A boxing glove? <laughs> we I wish you could see this. Uh, uh, Rex, let's go let's go back let's go back to you. Uh, I don't know how well the composting toilet good would would go, That's not gonna go, go over, over at, NCR. Uh, at, at NCR, but you guys have done some other things there. Uh, so let's hear about those. Yeah. So you know, it's a great example, a composting toilet, of being something that, you know, could be challenging to implement in a, in a high-rise, you know, 780,000 square feet between the two towers. So often it's about finding, you know, the middle ground between something that is enhancing sustainability as much as possible while also maintaining the quality and expectation of a, you know, global headquarters for a Fortune 500 company. Yeah, it really, I think, is the difference between, you know, a nonprofit or an educational organization like we have at Georgia Tech where we're testing things. I mean, it's it, uh, part of 
you know, the entire purpose is to be a laboratory. That's right? what Candida's uh, after. Uh, yeah. And so you guys are uh, are testing things that you may decide, you know what, nah, this is not really scalable. We're not going to do this. But you, somebody has to do it. Right, Sean? Yep. And you guys are doing that where Rex is living in the world of, okay, let's take some proven technology and let's scale it up as much as we can scale like it. Like literally up. Yeah. Up yeah. and yeah. Ring, out, ring out as much savings as we can. Uh, and as a result of that, you get the double platinum uh, rating, which nobody else has that in the city or anywhere close to us. Uh, so, I mean, clearly the NCR building is the most sustainable building in, a, uh, in our in our city at this point, would you say? Well, you know, I don't really like to make the comparisons between what's the most sustainable building in the city. I think it's, you know, one of the most sustainable high-rises that's been built in the southeast in the last several years. And we're certainly proud of everything we were able to accomplish around energy efficiency and water efficiency and indoor occupant health and comfort and reduced environmental impact. And, you know, just like this little friendly competition here amongst sustainability professionals, it's really great what Georgia Tech holistically has been able to accomplish. And it's very impressive and exciting that we're going to have a Living Building Challenge certified project in the city of Atlanta. And and also, so then that can we can then take that and replicate it around projects like NCR, which is a really impressive commitment for a large company building their new headquarters. So we got big business, big schools. Now we need a Georgia people in here to talk about all the stuff that UGA is doing. Hey, good. and let me give a challenge out to the UGA campus, to the administrators there. We have a dorm across from the Ramsey uh, Health Center that is plumbed for solar thermal. It was built to have it on it, Brand. but there is no solar thermal on that building. John, here's my challenge to I'll put it uh, in to 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 I'll my to my fellow uh, yeah, bulldogs. We need we need to get solar thermal on that dormitory, and we need to show that it can be done. I can smell it deep uh, on on our campus. So, uh, uh, to our president and to everyone listening here uh, in Athens, we need to get this done. There's no reason to allow Georgia Tech to show us up in this area of sustainability. We simply have got to put those solar thermal panels on. Well, you're listening to Energy Matters, and energy does matter, whether you go to Georgia Tech or the University of Georgia. Stick around, and we're going to be back and talk more about sustainability. You've heard about Gem Cars on Energy Matters, made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Gem Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M-CarService.com. Hey, it's Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706-795-2854. It's important, isn't it, John? It is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low-hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy Matters every single week. That's exactly right. Yeah, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Rowe Insulating Company. Get comfortable. And we're back with Energy Matters for our final segment today. 
And we got a little competition going on, John, between uh. Georgia Tech and the University of Georgia. You got Rex Hamry here, a UGA grad, who's the Southeast Sustainability Director for JLL. And Formerly sitting. known as Jones Lang LaSalle, big real estate company. That's yeah. correct. Is that right? Do we say that right? You said that yeah. exactly right. And, and, and then Sean Aurora, who went to Emory and got a law degree at Emory, uh, and is now working at Georgia Tech as the director of the Candida Building. I mean, you know, as a triple dog myself, John, I still get the heebie-jeebies just walking on to the Tech campus. I mean, I have to, <laughs> I have to really get psyched up, you know, to go over there being a being a triple dog but clearly you represent everybody in georgia yeah but let's talk about something we all can agree on and that is the atlanta braves (laughs) 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 yeah that's right that's right and so we're going to talk about not necessarily the team and the catchers and the you know and and, and the earned run averages and the batting averages we're going to talk about the sustainability because in the house is rex hamry who actually worked on sustainability for for that sun trust what do you call it sun trust battery park sun trust park sun trust park Park. but battery and the battery atlanta and the battery Battery atlanta Atlanta. so we you know oh that's right it's Athens, georgia we got to be able to say this stuff correctly yeah so uh Rex, I mean, I've been to the, you know, I've been to a couple of Braves games, and it is a cool venue. Uh, the whole thing, you know, from the the Delta parking deck experience to getting in there and uh, everything, you know, from a fan standpoint, it's cool. But tell us a little bit about the sustainability portion, because a lot of times that stuff's kind of behind the walls or under the facility or, you know, in the junction box. I mean, it's not necessarily things that the average person sees. Absolutely. So, you know, connecting to things we were talking about, the NCR project around focusing on energy efficiency and water efficiency, waste stream reductions, as as well as material selection. So the Braves' new stadium, SunTrust Park, is designed to operate 20% more efficiently than a standard new professional ballpark and that's actually an area where something you can really a significant impact you can see so the the led lighting and so when you're at the ballpark this is you can see the uh when they they do the different light colors and they involve it in the in the program they can actually dim the lights and bring them back up so that's actually a modern technology around leds and the controls so you have instant restrike of of those leds so you have a higher quality light you don't have to worry about them uh, taking a long time to turn back like on. Like at the Super Bowl a few years ago when we had a natural disaster where all the lights went out. That was in New Orleans at that, yeah. uh, at that Ben Superdome Stadium. Superdome or whatever yeah. The Superdome. Yeah. Yeah. So you avoid that. And then, you know, even more important, they're um, just under 50% more efficient than standard metal halide stadium lights. So you have all of those benefits around operations as well as significant energy efficiency from that lighting system. The HVAC system is also designed for enhanced comfort as well as as enhanced efficiency. Water savings around the ballpark is also very exciting. So there's a 40,000-gallon cistern buried under the field, and that captures all of the water that is both from irrigation as well as rainwater on the field specifically, filters that, and recycles it for field irrigation. So the field has its own separate irrigation system that recycles approximately half of the water that uh, is required every year. And it's not chlorinated water, so it's, you know, it's it's water that's friendly to the ground rather than having chlorine in it. Well, the, the quality of the water was a very big focus around the field irrigation. Yeah. Wow. So that's some cool things. What about, 
like sustainable packaging or anything like that for the concessions is is that factored in in or anything in the kitchens and all the food that's prepared absolutely great so so an example is there's a lot of compostable packaging um, so when you have things that are biodegradable quickly when they go into the waste stream and, and involved with the food waste in addition the braves have had a long relationship with the atlanta food bank that that food that is not used on at, at the braves during the game is donated for for use at the food bank I think that's an important aspect of sustainability, not losing sight of, you know, other important services into the nonprofit community. That's a big deal. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Sean, you've been to the ballpark? Have you uh, gone out there? Seen no, yet? not yet. Yeah. Not yet. I've, I've been by it. Um, it looks beautiful. Yeah. Especially now that the little city around it, the battery is, is building out. It's, it's, it looks great. You know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, the uh, urban walkability moving into the urban core, that being an important aspect of, of occupant health and wellness, as well as sustainability, getting people out of their cars. And one of the really exciting things as a sustainability professional for the, getting to work on the battery and SunTrust Park was you go there, you can go early, you can spend an entire day with your family, you park your car once, and you have this really nice walkable experience for the entire day. That's something that we're really proud of. That's what I like about downtown Athens. You know, it's old and you can you can really park your car and walk all around town. You know, you think about the scooters. We've talked about these scooters on our show before, but the scooters discourage walking. Uh, and I don't know how, uh, how you guys feel, uh, Sean and Rex, about the scooters. Have you ridden the scooters at all? Or do you favor walking over over scooters especially given all the accidents sean uh, you're a scooter guy or you prefer walking walking yeah uh, i've used i've used uh scooters once recreationally just just for fun mm-hmm. and then once i used a scooter to actually replace a car trip so i've actually only been on a, on these scooters twice uh, every other time i just walk around campus yeah, how about and you walk Rex? How, do, how does a how does a sustainability consultant feel about scooters well, you know, what's really interesting as a sustainability consultant focused on buildings and the built environment, I'm really interested in it around can it solve one of the real problems, which is, you know, access to mass transit, yeah. solve that half mile challenge around how do we get people from mass transit points to other places surrounding that. And then secondly, it's really interesting as a facility and operational question, you know, particularly for campuses such as, you know, a UGA or a Georgia Tech around where do these scooters go? What do we tell people to do with them once they're finished with them? We don't want to degrade the enjoyment of walking or riding a bicycle or the safety of interacting with cars because scooters are now available. And in an urban environment, our helping our clients figure out, well, we know that the scooters are going to be used and leveraged, so what can we do as far as giving them a location in which to park so they can be a, a useful and added benefit of the, you know, of the walkable environment. So, Sean, you're on the campus a lot at, at Tech. Uh, I mean, Athens has outlawed the scooters, um, so uh, we've got restrictions on them in Athens, but uh, how about the Tech campus and how you, you see students using the scooters? Are they are they using them at all or Oh, they're definitely using them. And even if the scooters are replacing walking, I think they're here to stay. I think it's a question of infrastructure. We have to get the infrastructure right to accommodate for the scooters on Georgia Tech's campus. I have found that the scooters are parked where the bike racks are, that the scooters are not just laying all over campus. Uh, so on campus anyway, I, I think that there is a respect shown 
to that common common space. But on my daily commute from Tech going home to Decatur, in the last four months, I've just seen these scooters everywhere. Some of them are tipped over onto the streets, tipped over across the sidewalk, making the sidewalk unpassable for anyone who's in a wheelchair. So it's an issue, and I think it's an infrastructure issue. We're going to have to figure out how to accommodate this new form of transportation on our streets. You know, I, I think Athenians, they, this is a, a town that loves to bike. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot. I mean, we have our own bike race up here in April, and biking on small state highways is very dangerous. We have people hit all the time, and I think one of the things that Athenians would love is just more bike lanes, not for scooters, but, but, for, uh, but for cyclists uh, who are out there exercising you know where uh, scooters are really for convenience right it's just that last mile getting from the subway to the building or i'll ride one from the capital downtown if i'm if i'm going a mile or whatever going over the five points marta station i'll 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 take that scooter um, but it, it's more convenience related where really if i have time i really prefer to walk because i'm 57 years old and i need the exercise and it's much safer. So I don't know. I don't know that scooters All are this here to poo poo and scooters. Give me a break, would you know, please, people? I don't know that like the scooters are here to stay. Gaps, I... they, they're cheap. They're quick when they're when they're ridden efficiently. They help close gaps. Yeah. They they were they they curtail the amount of cars you need. They help the interconnectedness of Marta and Atlanta is horrible. They help you make the connections between the Beltline and between Marta between your friend's house and whatever. I just think it's a great asset because there's a few knuckleheads that don't know how to ride it, or Tim Eccles that can't figure out how to turn it on and off. That's a whole other no, issue. No, no, no. I got on one and the brakes didn't work. I about burned my leather shoe out uh, oh, try, trying to stop. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go no, ahead. As yeah. I was saying, so one of the things that makes walking more pleasurable is having beautiful buildings or rather buildings that interface with the street That's very bio well what rex a bio what what do you call that bio we were talking about biophilia yeah. earlier Bi biophilia okay but Go the ahead, ncr Tom. building does do that very well so while i've never mm. been inside the ncr building i've walked by it many times and the ncr building that entire spring street and west Peachtree corridor makes my walk from the georgia tech's main campus into midtown very pleasant that's a good point what's valuable here is that we have two of the most innovative buildings in atlanta and the and the people involved in building those buildings here in studio and that's what's interesting i'd love them to duke it out but as you were pointing out sean you know there's no necessarily any winners between the two buildings yeah there's there's no competition it's been a friendly conversation and what we're really trying to do is highlight uh what each building is doing and I agree. NCR, one of the most sustainable buildings in the Southeast. The Candida building, when it comes online and gets certified, will be one of the most sustainable buildings in the Southeast. And I hope after a few years, both of our buildings no longer, no one says that about our buildings because there's something better that comes along. There's really no competition. When something comes along as better, we all win. Rex, thanks so much for your leadership and all you're doing in our city. Well, thank you for having me. Well, you've been listening to Energy Matters, where we want to help you save money on your utility bill to use technology and to live a more sustainable life. Special thanks to our guests today, Rex and Sean and John, and we'll see you next time. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make. 
like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. 